Hi everyone, welcome to our very first Live Darts podcast with me, Phil Bars, and Jay Shaw. Jay, thanks for joining us. Cheers, Phil. Yeah, delighted to get this up and running. Obviously, all, all roads now leading to Ali Pali, so now seems like the most obvious time to, uh, to get this going with obviously everyone talking about darts at the moment. Yeah, darts very topical. None other than the last major before the Worlds last weekend with Daryl Gurney getting himself into the PDC winner's enclosure for the second time. Yeah, the sixth different winner of, in uh, seven PDC majors this season. And uh, he looked back to the player he was throughout last year. Uh, where obviously I think he made at least the quarterfinals of every TV event le- leading up to the World Championship. He only really looked in trouble in that game against Ryan Searle in the second round, where it was 6-5. I believe Searle had a, a match start. But um, yeah, apart from that, looked comfortable and um, obviously overcame MVG in the final. First player to beat MVG in a ranking major since 2015, so that's quite some feat. Yeah, we obviously spoke with Daryl for live darts back at the match play and he looked absolutely shattered lost early doors and then literally took six weeks off and he's come back and looks so refreshed from that break and like you say looks like the player he was Premier League for the first time this year I think took it out of him didn't really know what to expect with the travelling but now it looks like a real animal again Yeah it was really interesting what he said to you actually post-final that he, he thought he was finished which you know seems a really premature thing to say for a player of his quality and world number five but yeah to, to get a second major on the board in the space of 13 months is fantastic and he joins an elite group of players to have multiple major winners in the PDC. So. The ITV tournaments, I say ITV because their format is always you have to play three times on the final day. Massive advantage playing in that first semi-final as well because without trying to sound horrible, Michael looked absolutely shattered in that final and didn't have that extra gear to go to where Daryl had the extra break. Yeah, that's really interesting obviously because Michael is a lot more used to that playing three games in a day than Daryl but it's a, a mental and physical challenge that three long format games in, in the space of a few hours so that the mental resilience that Daryl showed was, was superb and obviously to, to live with Michael over that format as the underdog fully deserved winner for me. From the South West, the Darting Roadshow sped to London pretty quickly for the media day and the world's draw. We now know who the 96 players are. We now know the format. The top 32 in the world get a bye to round two so they've got a little bit of grace so to speak however there's some real standout ties in that first round yeah yeah I really like obviously the one that stands out for me Christopher Tyski and Sego Asada with the winner taking on James Wade which is a really tough start for James whoever comes through that first game you obviously got to make Christoph the favourite he's hit form at a great time winning back-to-back players championships um, got out of his group at the Grand Slam quarterfinals in Minehead so yeah, again, tough, tough game for Christoph. Sego, obviously, in the World Cup, performed well. Japan got to the quarterfinals. He played in a big part in that, especially in the pairs. So, yeah, difficult start for James either way. I'd say absolute nightmare draw for Wadey, who's in a renaissance right now, winning back-to-back TV titles. Was unlucky in Minehead as well. Just didn't quite happen for him. Was hoping to go deep in the world. But Ratajski is an absolute animal, as we've seen this weekend. I still think James is going to be riding high though after those back-to-back TV titles. Obviously, that wasn't too long ago, so you would make still James the favourite against Christoph if he were to come through that. James was about 80 to one, I think, before he won the World Series Finals. He's coming to 33s now, so that's been a lot of each-way money going on James. The Worlds is evidently the big one missing off his CV, and that would cap off a brilliant renaissance in the second half if he were to, to go all the way. Battle of the Young Guns in round one as well for me jumps off the page is Luke Humphreys against Adam Hunt. Luke already there Adam came through the, the last chance at the PDC qualifiers two very, very talented young men in that game yeah two players who've uh, learnt the trade on the development tour it's testament to the system that the PDC have got in place there obviously Luke Humphreys back to back winner of the development tour um, so yeah again a great chance for one of those to come through and, and one experience Luke obviously made his debut last year in the preliminary round 
think he lost out to Jeff Smith. So he's got that experience of the Ali Pali stage and, and hopefully he can use that and show what he's been showing consistently on the floor. Another one that real jumps out is in quarter two is Martin Schindler against Cody Harris. On form, a lot of people will go, Martin will win this, but he's not in the best of form right now and Cody Harris is a real solid player at the moment. Yeah, I had a bit of a disappointing weekend in my head that Martin Schindler lost in the first round and then lost the, uh, the World Youth Championship final. So he's got to bounce back from that. Tough game. Uh, obviously, Cody Harris has played well on the Challenge Tour this year. He's made a massive commitment in moving over to the UK and following the footsteps of Kyle Anderson. So, you know, to leave your family and, and follow your dreams, you've got big respect for Cody for doing that. And he's hoping to reap the rewards on the biggest stage of all. Another one in Sector 2 is Chris Davey against Boris Koltsov. Again, the big Russian, tough, tough player to beat. But Chris really found his feet in mine head, looking like the player we saw 18 months ago. Yeah, Chris, another player to hit form at just the right time. Obviously, um, Good run at a Players' Championship event leading up to that. Um, had that experience of playing Phil Taylor in the first round last year. So he's going to, again, it, it's, a, it's a tough start because um, Boris is impressed in the World Cup every time I've seen him. Does, obviously, living in Russia, it's difficult to, to get on the tour. Um, he's competed at Q School a few times, but I think he, I fancy him to take a set or two off Chris there. I think Chris is going to have to work hard for that one. We can't talk about the world draw without talking about the two lady players that have qualified. First up, we've got Lisa Ashton. She takes on Jan Decker. Lisa unbelievable pedigree in the ladies game and over the last three years she's been the standout player in the ladies game ton plus averages played on the challenge tour the year before as well that's a tricky tie for Jan you mentioned the challenge tour there I think that's could be integral to that game she's obviously got experience of playing the men on the challenge tour and in exhibitions so she'll hold no fear at all all the pressure you're going to say is going to be on Jan Decker there and it's you'll be dreading that draw when it came out um, you, you speak to any of the players who've played a, a lady on TV before, Wayne Marl, Vincent van der Vaart, Chris Mason, we've spoken to there. They say what an absolute nightmare it is. You've got double the amount of nerves. And Lisa, you know, we're used to seeing consistently 85 to 88 averages from her. So, again, if 5 to 2 to beat Jan Decker, that would be no huge upset. But it's just whether she can overcome the nerves herself. It's going to be you know, completely polar opposite to what she's used to in the BDO system with that huge crowds. But she can just go into it on a bit on a bit of a free roll, you know, a big payday, seven and a half thousand pound guaranteed. I think you have to win the lakeside to get twelve thousand pounds. So massive bonus for, for Lisa and Anastasia. Second lady, Anastasia, she will play Ryan Joyce. Um, Anastasia came through the PDC European qualifier for this. A little bit of flaw in the system, but we won't touch on dart in politics. Anastasia, no um, no surprise that she's there. She's played on a PDC stage before. And she's won, more importantly, on a PDC stage before beating uh, Vincent van der Voort at the Grand Slam of Darts. Yeah, second time round at Ali Pali. I think she lost to Remco van Eyden in the preliminary round in 2009. So a long time ago, but she can still sort of use that experience. Uh, fantastic player again. All the pressure's going to be on Ryan Joyce. His first time at Ali Pali, having played it. I think he's made one appearance at Lakeside. So again, difficult. He's played a few times in the Euro Tour, so he's got that bit of stage experience behind him. But he's going to be the one with all the nerves and if Anastasia can put maybe five points on her average again she's got a great chance friend of the show Paul Nicholson returns to Alexandra Palace for the first time in three years last time we saw him there real show of emotion he lost left his darts on the stage and we didn't know if we'd ever see him again back on the big time but he's back I think Paul's comeback this year has been one of the probably most underrated stories of the season the way he's you know, brought himself back from the brink got himself back in the top 64 Again, a bit of a nightmare draw there. Obviously, you've got to get past Kevin Burness first. Kevin came through the um, Tom Kirby Irish Memorial game. Um, but if he is to get through that game against Gary, would obviously evoke memories of the 2011 UK Open when I think Paul came through 9-8, then went on to beat Phil Taylor in that weekend. So there's a bit of history between them. 
Um, Paul, the draws haven't been kind to Paul in the past couple of years. He's drawn Michael a few times, so he'll be used to that now. But again, Paul's just going to go in with no pressure. He's a you know a classic big stage player, revels in that atmosphere. Really looking forward to seeing him back on that big stage. One of the game's great characters. Well, we saw in Dortmund when he did play Michael, the scoreline didn't give any reflection on how good the game was. For a lot of it, Paul averaging 106. And he pushed the best player on the planet to his absolute limit in the European Championships. Yeah, I think Michael is really surprised at how quickly Paul got out of the blocks there, took the first couple of legs and really took the game to Michael. So, as I say, if you can get through that first round game and really come out firing against Gary, he'll have that uh, one game behind him, having won this first round game if he comes through. So that could potentially work in his favour there. One of the rising stars as well, Joe Cullen, into the top 16 in the world for the first time. A lot of talk about, is he going to be in the Premier League? I think he's close, but I think he may have to win the Worlds or get to the final to do that. But he's in the better quarter of the draw compared to he could have been in the top half with Gary and Michael. So his route to the potential final, he'll take on either Rob Cross or Peter Wright, but two of the top players that aren't in form right now. Yeah, Joe more than capable of beating those players on his day. He showed that at the World Match players, probably his best TV performance to date. He's you know, come under criticism for, for not being able to do it on the, the TV stage, but I think you know, any given day, Joe can beat anyone. And you know, you say they mentioned that section of the draw, he's got to fancy the job. Again, for me, representing a lot of value in this draw is Bully Boy himself, Michael Smith. For me, he's had an unbelievable year, the best year of his career to date. For years as darts fans, we've all known the name Michael Smith, but this year he's really shown it on a TV stage what a talent this young man is. Yeah, I really like the look of Michael Smith, 16-1, to 1, I think the best odds you can get at the moment. Probably could have got a lot better a few months ago. We remember that great Grand Slam game, a classic yet against Michael Van Gogh, and Premier League finals. You know, this, this has been Michael Smith's breakthrough year, and no better way than having a deep run at the Worlds to, to cap it off. The world is just a completely different animal to anything else. It's a test of endurance, it's a test of strength. Only the very best come through. We're all talking about Gary and Michael. Do you see anyone else winning it apart from them? Again, looking at that bottom half of the draw, recent winner, Gerwin Price, just his odds at 40-1 to one really leap off the page for me, having won the Grand Slam, still riding high off that. Um, squandered that lead against Christoph Ratajski in the Players' Championship Finals but didn't do a lot wrong and he's got to be looking at that section of the draw and really fancying the job he's, that, he's the form player in that section of the draw Welcome to Live Darts the Podcast the very first episode and our first guest we have ITV pundit Chris Mason Chris thanks for joining us Absolute pleasure Phil Fresh off the back, Players' Championship, Daryl Gurney, a little bit unexpected. Yeah, well, it's, it's been that way for the last last month, I suppose, with James Wade winning uh, back-to-back TV events and up pops Daryl Gurney from absolutely nowhere, giving, well, giving the Premier League selectors absolute headaches. I was about to touch on that. I say you can't obviously leave a major winner out of the Premier League, so that's his spot done and dusted, we would like to think. Absolutely. From there... I- and James Wade. Agreed. So I'm guessing there's one spot left in your opinion. Yes. Where's it going? Is it going to the Honourable Dutchman or are we looking at someone else in the order of merit? Um, I think the obvious choice will be Barneville, but I think it's a, a kick in the teeth for all the other guys that have played the full tour. Um, are absolutely 100% committed. Um, and then they just drop him in. I think... I think on the seasonal rankings, he's, he's close to being 50th in the world. Uh, and obviously, he's got a chunk to defend at the World Championship, and his draw is horrific. 
so I can't see him getting anywhere near defending 80,000. Uh, and if they put him in, it's a little bit disappointing. He's had, he's had a free role for the last four or five years, in my opinion. He's been invited to every World Series, uh, all the Premier Leagues. So he's, he's done very nicely. Thank you very much. And I think it's time, time we moved on. If he was committed uh, and he wanted to be in the Premier League, he should have played all the Euro Tours because even a win on the Euro Tour for me this year would have said, sort of said to me, well, yeah, fair enough. Uh, you just, you know, you could almost make a case, but I can't make any case. And let's not get all uh, romantic about it. He's a, he's a, he's meant to be a professional sportsman, and you know, he's meant to earn his right. From there, obviously, we were both in Minehead. The darting world rattled on to London, and the draw has been done for the World Championship. 96 for the first time. Do you like the fact that the top 32 coming in round two, or do you think that's a little bit of a freebie for them? Yeah, I think that's fair enough. I think I think by by the very virtue that they've travelled, they've you know they're in the rankings, they're in the inside that top 32, and I think it gives the the lower rank rank players a, a winnable match, if you like. They're not up against one of the uh, bigger named players or, or more experienced players. So yeah, I think it's. I think it's worked. It's it's um, a bit of a minefield to work our way through as as sort of pundits and um, in inverted commas experts. But uh, yeah, it's it's good. It's a it's a fabulous lineup. It, obviously, the introduction of uh, of two ladies, which I think is exciting and is exciting for the sport uh, and lots of names that uh, I don't recognise. So that means a, a little bit of extra research. But it just shows you the. Uh, the different territories and, and how much it's working, how far afield the PDC are trying to take our sport. The either-or games in the first and second round, they're throwing up some mouth-watering ties, I have to say. What's the pick of your ones that you've noticed? Well, potentially we could have... Uh, well, it's Danny Nopper against Royden Lamb. I expect Danny to come through that one against Max Hot. That's a, a real Euro thriller. Uh, potentially Ted Everts against Adrian Lewis. Um... Uh, Matty Edgar or Darius Labanowskis against Barneveld could, I think that match against Edgar and Labanowskis will probably be be better than whoever plays Barneveld. Um, well, Rutowski or Asada against Wade that could be that could be fairly tasty. That's an absolute kicker of a draw for James Wade. Um, yeah, they, I mean, just looking through it now, the the list goes on and on and on, really. Um, Gabriel Clemens against John Henderson. I expect Clemens to be Aidan Kirk. He's gone missing for a while, but came through the qualifiers uh, on Monday. Uh, Schindler and Cody Harris could be an absolute cracker. That's a pick and match. Uh, a lot of people will be favouring Schindler there, but from a punting point of view, I'll be all over Cody Harris. And the winner of that plays Jamie Lewis. Josh Payne against Jeff Smith. Jeff Smith, a real fan's favourite. Winner of that will play Chisnell. Uh, our pal Paul Nicholson takes on Kevin Burness. Kevin Burness was the guy that won the Irish uh, championships, wasn't it? The Tom Kirby. Uh, it was, yes, mate. Yeah, winner of that gets Gary Anderson. Horrible draw if Paul or Kevin come through that one, but obviously we hope Paul finds a way to win that one. And, and obviously the winner, Gary Anderson, not nice at all. Uh, Chris Dobie against Boris Koltsov. Big Boris. Um, absolutely huge man. Uh, mainly predominant in the soft tip, tip world, but can't be underestimated. That'd be a tough game for Dobie. Winner gets beaten. Um, 
Wayne Jones, Devin Peterson, winner against Ian White. Another absolute stinking draw. Um, and then obviously looking at Jan Decker against Lisa Ashton. I think I think Anastasia is going to have her hands full. Um, but I, I I wouldn't be massively shocked if Lisa Ashton beats Jan Decker. I've played a woman live on TV uh, in a competition in Holland, and uh, it's. It's absolutely horrific. Uh, and this is on the biggest stage of all. Uh, you can get no bigger platform. And Lisa will be the one without nerves. It's all going to, the pressure's going to be on Decker. Um, and I, I, I personally, I, I'd love to see one of the girls win a, win a match. It'd be uh, great for their sport uh, and great for ours. You touched on the Lisa Ashton game there. If she were to overcome Decker, the winner plays Merv King. Now, we all know Merv has been a tremendous servant to the sport, but recently he is known to throw a stinker in on the stage as well. So it's not unheard of that Lisa could potentially take two scalps? No, I mean, it, it, that, I mean, it would be a massive shock, but I mean, I'm fortunate enough that um, I, I've seen a lot of Lisa Ashton. Uh, and as you know, she played in the Challenge Tour, so uh, playing men is, is of no fear for her. But I've also seen her up close in exhibitions, um, and I've even had a uh, occasionally had a practice with her when I've been working at Lakeside, uh, and trust me, she's she can throw a very very solid ninety average with reasonable regularity. And people go, oh, 90 average is not enough because we all get carried away with all the monsters we see, but we also see a lot of games won with sub ninety averages, uh, and it can be done. We've seen a ninety average beat a ninety nine average, so let's not kid ourselves that. You know, she has absolutely no chance. She's she's up against it, uh, and rightly so, because the men do play uh, at a higher level, level and more often, and obviously get more, more TV time, so they get a lot more experience. But um, as you've said, that Merv can, from time to time, um, have a bit of a mare, but I expect him, he's, he's the most fastidious in terms of practicing. I expect him to be really, really sharp by the time the world's come round. From a betting point of view, we all expect Michael Van Gerwen and Gary Anderson to come through the top half to set up that mouth-watering semi-final that we all just love to see, like in my head, an unbelievable game. But from the bottom half, from a betting point of view, that's the, where the value lies for me because the two top seeds in Rob Cross and Peter Wright are bang out of form right now. Yes, they are. And, and we know with Peter, with this continuous change of diets, that... Um, he could potentially get beat at any stage if he picks up the wrong darts. Sadly for me, uh, Dimitri potentially will play Johnny Clayton uh, if Dimitri comes through against Chuck. Because them two, if they were in uh, varying quarters or even in the same quarter but at different ends, they would be massive value. But one of them's going to have to go. So that's sort of put me off that one in, in terms of betting. I suppose potentially you could you could back both. Um uh, I like Michael Smith. Um, we had a chat down in Minehead about that. I, I think he was, I mean, he was around 25s. I know pre, um, pre Minehead, uh, there was some, some much bigger prices around for him. I also like Joe Cullen. I think he could, he could get on a run. And, and why not Ian White? It's, it's about time that he eventually took that floor form um, onto the TV. Uh, and, and produce the darts we know he's capable of because I mean he was number one <clears throat> excuse me he was number one seed for last week's players championships and you don't you know you don't get that in the 
in a cornflakes box. You know what I mean? He's 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 absolute quality. Uh, unfortunately, he will have a uh, I think a last thirty-two tie with with Gerwin Price, um, uh, and yet he's another one that you could realistically realistically back. Um, I I can't be doing anything with Rob Cross, even though he's been handed a, a re for me. I mean, everybody's saying about Jeffrey Deswan outside of those two really really good wins um, over Michael and running Gary close. Uh, I'm struggling to find any kind of consistency. Agreed. You touched on Mr. Price there as well. Just won his first PDC ranking event and he can get best odds of 40 to 1 still and he's in the opposite half to Gary and Michael. That I think that represents huge value for the punter. Yeah, and he just didn't win any event. It's one of the PDC's most prestigious events, the Grand Slam, and, and one of the toughest to win. Uh, you only got asked the players probably outside of the Worlds and then the match play. I'd, I'd say the vast majority would say the Slam. Um, you know, you can't include the Premier League because obviously that's quite exclusive. Uh, but yeah, I'd, Pricey for me has is, is got better and better, as has as Michael Smith the last 12 months. You know, we've seen a lot of players in the past uh, have a nightmare Premier League and sort of that hangover carries on throughout the year. We've seen it, we've seen it with Andy Hamilton, uh, we've seen it with Wes Newton, in fact, and we've seen it with Michael Smith uh, not this year but the year before, where Pricey's come out of the back of that, and he's he's a different animal. You know, he he looks to be he looks to be bang up for every match he's involved in, and I think he's playing better now at this point uh, than he's than he ever has. And I'd have I'd have probably had a, a cheeky fiver each way on him last year at forty to one to win the world. So I agree with you. I think that represents good value, and he's not in the most horrible section of the draw. He's in the fourth quarter, which is pretty much wide open. Before we wrap it up, Chris, I'm going to push you. Who do you think the two finalists will be at this year's Worlds? Oh, you're a bad, bad man. Oh, well, only a fool uh, would ignore MVG at the top uh, in the first quarter. Uh, obviously, we're expecting him to play Gary Anderson in the semi-final. Um, I don't know. I, I've got... A, I got a funny feeling. I got a real, I got a real strong feeling for Michael Smith. I, I, I really do feel it. it. It's his time. I think he's due a TV major. Uh, I think the distance will suit him. I think set play will suit him. And let's not forget, he had darts to beat the eventual champion last year, and there was there's no reason why he wouldn't have been the one to have gone on and and lift the trophy. So I'm going for a MVG Michael Smith final. Absolute brilliant. Chris, thanks for joining us on our very first podcast here at Live Darts, mate. Massively appreciate it. You're taking time out to join us. Absolute pleasure, mate, and I'll see you soon. Cheers, buddy. Thank you. So, we've got the draw on paper here. Where's your potential upsets in these first couple of rounds? Uh, I'm going to throw a bit of a curveball in. Noel Malikdem against Jeffrey de Graaf is 7-2. Uh, uh, qualified from the Philippines, who's um, hit a nine data on the Asian Tour this year. Won, it, won two Asian Tour events. Not seen a lot of him, but again, Jeffrey de Graaf's not been set in the world of light, so I think there might be a bit of value there. Any, anything else jump off the page, or is that your banker of an upset? For me, there, there's a few out there, I have to say. Um, it wouldn't be an upset, but if Dimitri gets through against Chuck, him against Johnny Clayton, you've got two form players there. 
and it'd be an upset for either one of them to be out of the tournament so early for me. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, Dimitri, great memories of last year's run. He's a player who absolutely relishes the big stage. He's a big occasion player, gets himself up for it. And um, yeah, coming in off the back of that back-to-back World Youth titles, I fancy Dimitri to turn up and play well. I'm going to throw the curveball upset as well. I think Lisa Ashton beats Jan Decker. I know we spoke about her, but I really believe that she will just go up there, free roll, and beat Jan Decker in a close game. That's by no means out of the question. I mean, Jan Decker's renowned for his double-hitting ability. If he starts missing doubles, gives Lisa a chance, and, you know, absolutely, that's a, a realistic possibility. So from there, the, out, the outrights, we talked about the betting, obviously. It's, it's interesting. Michael, for the first time in a long time, 11-8 to 8 is actually a, a good price in terms of betting on Michael Van Gerwen because normally he's odds yeah. on evens at best. So I the think MVG it's, his lo- it's his longest odds for three years, Michael Van Gerwen. Again, it's still not very long, given that he's not set the world alight throughout the year, but 11-8, uh, to 8, he's going to be there or thereabouts, let's face it. He's on that collision course for a semi-final of Gary Anderson. That would be you know, a mouth-watering occasion if that comes through. Best odds for Gary Anderson, you get 7-2, to 6-1 to one a few weeks ago, but the form he's had been backed right in. Yeah, obviously beat uh, Michael at the Grand Slam. It's going to be a pick in, between, in that top half of the draw, you would think, between Michael and Gary. I think at the moment the value's in Gary. Again, a player with the great recent record at Ali Pali, back-to-back winner, um, finalist a few times. And, you know, what a year he's had winning the UK Open, the match player, the Champions League. Player of the year for me, without a doubt. Interesting. The defending champion, Rob Cross, anywhere between 18 and 22 to 1. Startling, really, but like we've said, he's not in form right now. Not in form and a really tough potential first round game against Jeffrey Dijon, possibly the toughest, you know, one of the toughest on paper. If Jeffrey semi finalist at the World Match Play, I would really fancy Jeffrey to, to take Rob Cross, massive pressure as defending champion. I'm um, just trying to think of the few times that the defending champion has gone out first round. John Park springs to mind against Bill Davis, 2009, but again, that's a nightmare for Rob. An interesting one here for me. Price-wise, I really like it, but obviously we study a lot in depth. It's Mensal Sulevich. You can get a best price of 25 to 1, which represents great value for me. However, he's openly admitted he doesn't like the World Championships or Alexandra Palace. No, but you know what you're going to get with Mensal, one of the most consistent players on the tour, a nightmare for any opponent. Again, I would expect him to be there or thereabouts. I think it was the Worlds where he first sprung onto the scene, beating James Wade in 2011. So it's not like he can't do it on that stage. And it's not like he's coming into it in bad form either. So Mensah, again, I would expect to be in, in the latter stages. Again, as well, price-wise, a bit surprising. Daryl Gurney just won the Players' Championships. 33-1 to are best price at the moment. Yeah, again, it's, he's going to be riding high. Heavy scorer. Um, you'd think he's probably secured his Premier League place again by, by winning that Players' Championship finals. World number five, you can't discount him at the running, out of the running whatsoever. Again, anyone else jump off the outrights that you really, really like? Well, I've mentioned Gerwin Price and Michael Smith. They would be my two uh, each-way picks. I think Gerwin, the more I look at that section of the draw, I think Gerwin's got a fantastic chance. Potentially could be Peter Wright along the way, but Peter's not been set in the world of light at all, so I would fancy Gerwin to, to take Peter Wright. Ray, thanks for taking time out. It's been an emotional week for you. for oh, yeah. your retirement. Even, even now, I feel a bit dizzy, you know, answering all the, the questions of people. And, and uh, well, it, it's, 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 it's in, in a way, it, it surprised me. You know, um, all the newspapers, all, all, all the press, radio, TV stations, they, it, it was on the news, uh, Raymond van Barneveld retiring after a year. So, um, yeah, it was, was good. But uh, a bit of a shock for everyone as well. They, they, they thought... 
it was announced one or two years before uh, ago. I said, uh, I'm going to do five more years when, when I became 50. But I notice now that, that the body is, is not going to make it. You know, uh, there's so much stress in private life, on stage, and um, that, that you can't handle it both ways, you know. Um, playing tournaments combined with, with doing the uh, exhibition circuit and, and uh, gym and, and meetings with people, the traveling all the time, every single week, uh, the dealing with defeat, you know, uh, makes me, because it makes me saying this is my final year. Was that a tough decision to make and how long have you been thinking about it? Um, it came up in, in the Grand Prix. Uh, uh, I said to Jacko, well, Jacko said to me, Ray, you're going to defend a lot of a lot of money on the rankings. So if you can tell me that you're going to play all the floor tournaments, I'm, I'm happy with that. But I don't want you to fizzle out, right? I don't want you to um, to say goodbye. You can't say goodbye to the fans anymore because if you're looking at defending £80,000 in the world, like, like reaching the semis two years ago, if you want to defend that money, only through Pro Tours, you need to win 80 times a first round match, right? Or, or second round match as well. So that, that's going to cost me a year or maybe one and a half year to, to get back in the top 16 and, and, and play all majors. And I'm thinking, oh, wow, yeah, this is a, this is a long, bumpy road uh, if I'm going to decide to do that. And, and, and I don't want to fizzle out. I don't want that people can say, yeah, Ray, now I say I'm in front of the bus and I say, this is my retirement plan. Whatever happened at the 2020 World Championships will be my final final tournament, final major tournament. Was that important to you to go out at the top still and on your terms, yeah. not just, I say, just drifting around, not qualifying for anything. So to go out at the very top, was that important to you? Yeah, yeah, it really is. But the funny thing is, I'm, I'm performing okay on not ranked tournaments, you know. Uh, if I... If I reach uh, in all these tournaments, I, I got ranking points like the final of the Masters. You know, if I had that money, like World Cup, like like well, Premier League is not not ranked, of course, but like like all the other tournaments, if I achieved that money on, on ranking basis, it was easy the top top eight. Um, on the majors, you know, r ranking wise, I, I'm, I'm didn't play well in the Grand Prix, didn't play well in the match play, not on the Grand Slam. So you're dropping the rankings big time. And uh, which which give you a lot of stress when, when you have to go to the World Championships, starting at number 16 or 17 in the world, right? We all know that number 16 or 17 in the world, you get Michael Van Gogh in, 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 in the third round. But before that, probably Johnny Clayton. So every round is, is, is a final for me. And uh, I, I can beat the best players in the world, but doing this, yeah, on, on, on multiple games on one day, that, that's hard for me. I say we've seen you've still got the game to beat the very best, beating Michael yeah. in in the World Series. So is the match play and the Worlds your best chance to win that final major where it's only one game a day? I like to play one game a day. You, you see that back. I like to play sets as well. You know, if if you seven one down in in a, in a first to ten match, your brain will tell you, I'm not going to win this game. You know, not especially not against people like Michael or Gary or or Peter Wright or Rob Cross. You can't you can't win that very rarely you know it happens but, but once in, in in hundred games or something um, so the the trouble is you have to perform well and, and stress is getting bigger and bigger and bigger every single week because you you're defending points right and if you don't defend your points you you, you go low on the rankings and you get Michael or Gary or Peter in the, in the second or third round you know and, and then you have to be sharp 
uh, if you're not, you can shake hands and, and you stay on, on that position for a very long time. Say Kevin Painter was number 16 in the world and he, he never ever could over that because in all these major tournaments he was always meeting Phil in the second round and Phil nine out of ten times he was beating Kevin. So, and, and then like, like I said earlier, you don't want to fizzle out, you want to say one more year and then it's fine. Speaking of Barney, there's been some very topical news this week. The, the great Dutchman has announced his retirement at the end of next year, so we've got one final year of Barney. Were you surprised by the announcement? Do you know something? Everything I do over the years, Barney's followed me. No, not one bit surprised. I knew, and I said to him, you're getting ready to retire now, bud. Because it, it does hurt you, you know, the preparation. And he's travelled twice as much. I mean, it's bad enough for me. So it's twice as hard for Barney. And Michael and, and Yala and, and Vincent, you know, just the same. It's very difficult for keep travelling as much as what they do. You know, they they have to travel to the airport, queue up, obviously, wait, and then it's difficult. And, and he's, you know, he's in his 50s now. It becomes harder. You've got young lads coming through who are aggressive who really don't care who Barney is. And it hurts him. It's, it's hurting his feelings. So... He can walk away now, he can earn, he's earned a lot of money, and he can earn a cracking good living now, just doing personal appearances. I mean, me and Barney get asked for all the time, so I think that's Barney's plan, you know, for me and him to work together over the next few years, and that'll suit me down to the ground. Do you think he's made the right decision going out at the top still, while he's still... I can't say whether it's the right decision or the wrong decision, really. I think if I was Barney, I'd wait till after the World Championships, maybe if he wins the World Championship reevaluate it a little bit and think, hmm, I might just try another 12 months. I don't know. But if he, if he doesn't, then he's made the right decision. In his final year, do you still think he has the game to win a major and maybe the Worlds? Yeah, he has got the game to win it, 100%. Whether he's got the mental, you know, um, how can I say, you know, mentally wise, can he win it at the minute? No, because he's not right. But he can win, of course he can. If he goes into the World Championships and, and smashes it the first round, beware, because then he'll think, hey, I hope I can win this. And that's when Barnes is his best then. A bit like you, when you announced your retirement, we spoke about it before, you said you were free-rolling for the last year because yeah. you knew it was all coming to an end. Yeah. Would that be the same with Barney? There's no pressure now on him whatsoever. He can just turn up. It's still... This, I mean, you'll go, you'll go into the World Championship thinking, I'm not bothered now. This is going to be my last year. I'm just going to just going to sit and enjoy it now and relax. And then he'll play in his first round and as soon as he sees his opponent, he'll think, I'm not going to relax. And I ain't letting him beat me. Because that's the way you are. That's the way I was. You know, where I think it was... Um, can't think of the lad's name now, from Durham. What's his name? Chris Dobie. Chris Dobie. You know, Chris is lovely and everything else, but I thought, I can't get beat by Chris Dobie first round. I'll never live it down, because I have to wait with Chris, and I like him, so I'm thinking, you can't get beat first round. So you, you, you tend to kick in, and then once you win, you think, oh, I'm in, I'm in the second round now. I can, I can maybe win the third round, the fourth round, which I did, and then you, next thing you know, you're in the final. You two shared a glittering career together from 2006, mm -hmm. when he moved over. Was he the toughest that you played consistently? He was, a, he was a breath of fresh air for me, Barney was. It was getting a bit stale. And he came over, he just revamped everything. He just went, boosh. The interest came back. Me and Dennis Priestley, Dennis was the hardest player I've ever played against over the years. Barney was just as hard, but a quicker thrower. So Dennis being slow and, and accurate was very difficult to play against. Um, but Barney was a different kettle of fish. You know, It was exciting to play Barney. You know, I've been playing with Dennis for years and years. We room together, we played pairs together. So the excitement had gone a little bit. With Barney, it was fresh. It was new. You know what I mean? It's like having a new car. It was it was different. And I still enjoy playing Barney. I'm playing him a little extra tonight. I'm excited. 
you know what I mean? It's great. I, I, I love the fella to bits. You know, he's not the best loser in the world, don't get me wrong, but I still like him. The retirement of the great Dutchman, Raymond van Barneveld, recently announced that one more year, that's all we've got of him. Right time for him to go? Yeah, another legend departing the game, not long after Phil Taylor. I think, I think it is the right time for Barney, and I think he knows that himself. Phil mentioned last year, he just one day just got a feeling that he, he didn't want to do it anymore. I think with, with Barney, the fires gradually just flickered out. I think he wants to go out relatively as high as he can. Um, obviously, just dropped out of the top 16. He's pretty much playing for the Worlds at the moment. You know, the Worlds is, is the only event that he can really massively get up for and sort of the be-all and end, end all of his career is the Worlds and he's got two more cracks at it to get that sixth. A lot of talk on social media as well. The, the cynics are out, shall we say, that he's only, only announced it now because he was in danger of not playing in this year's Premier League. I know it's not set in stone he will be in, but do you think now he's got a bigger chance of playing in this year's Premier League? I would be massively surprised if Barney wasn't in. I think he's great value in the Premier League, to be honest. You know, I'd have no problem with him being in it whatsoever. Um, I think Sky would probably pick him as a wild card. You've got those two nights in Rotterdam, and it'd be a bit like a farewell tour for Barney. And you know what a great servant he's been to the sport. He's had some of his greatest moments in the Premier League. He beat Michael in Rotterdam last year, won the title in 2014. Um, so yeah, I would like to see him in the Premier League. And you know, the players who miss out, they, they've got years ahead of them to get in. So I'd have no problem with that whatsoever. I know you haven't got a problem with it, but does it send out the wrong message though? Because he hasn't had a particularly good 18 months on the tour on TV tournaments so the, the players that have that have missed out does that send out the wrong message? Potentially yeah but there's no clear criteria for the Premier League other than the world's top four being in you know you'd think if, if you win a, a major TV title you're in but there is no set criteria at the end of the day it's who the PDC and Sky the broadcasters want in there so if they want Barney in they'll, they'll put him in which they have done you could say the same for, for last year I mean he won the World Cup but hasn't done much else played his best darts in invitational events so you know, again, there's, if, unless there's some sort of set criteria coming in place, then if, if they want Barney in, they'll put him in. Barry's announcement on the 1st of January is going to be hotly anticipated, and I think it's going to split a lot of people across social media. Yeah, there's going to be, inevitably, like there is every year, there's going to be a few players disappointed to, to miss out. I think Simon Whitlock's 50-50 at the moment, got to the final of the European Championship. Before the Players' Championship, it was looking as if it was between Daryl and Simon Whitlock, with Daryl winning that, he's overtaken Whitlock so Whitlock's going to have to have a good run in the world so then you've got the likes of Joe Cullen needing probably semis or finals maybe even someone like Jeffrey Disvan you know if he beats Rob Cross goes on to reach the last stages he's potentially in with a shout but again you didn't see Jamie Lewis reaching the semis last year Dimitri going strong there's, there's going to be someone who comes up on the rails and has a good run there always is every year If we were to see a newbie win the world I say newbie in, in brackets is it then almost impossible for them to put Barney in the Premier League because everyone else will have won something a major title on TV this year you would think so yeah I mean the, the other solution would be to expand the field to 12 players but Barry said he's not going to do that but yeah I mean if, if a complete rank outsider gets in the Worlds and they are in the Premier League but you can't you just can't ignore anyone who wins the Worlds I mean Kirk Shepard he got to the final in 2008 and he wasn't in but I think the criteria I think it's changed a bit since then again as you said earlier another legend departs we've lost Phil we've lost Raymond it's a real turning point for darts at the moment the, the old cornerstones of the game are now 
are slowly drifting away and we've got some exciting young talent coming through. Yeah, it's, I think the past few years I've seen a real change in the guard. You've got to put that down to the work that the PDC are doing on the development tour. You've got the JDC as well, all different systems. These younger players are hungry, they're willing to travel everywhere, chase ranking points, going to qualifiers, whereas Barney's just finding that a bit demoralising. I mean, the qualifiers are tough. Even to get in a European tour event for Barney, his record in those qualifiers has been pretty poor the last few years. So it, it, there's just no gimmies anymore. Anyone you play, you've got to be at the top of your game. And, and those players, Barney, Gary now, they're there for, they're there for to be shot at. So. Jay, thanks for joining us here on the very first Live Darts, the podcast, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure, Phil. Cheers. Bring on the world. Well, everyone, here we are at Live Darts. Thanks for joining us on our very first podcast. Remember, for up-to-the-date coverage of the William Hill World Championships, make sure you follow Live Darts, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.